This is Teaching While White with Elizabeth Denevi and Jenna Chandler-Ward. So I'm a little too excited for this episode because anytime I work with a school, you know, when I would travel before the viral pandemic and even now over Zoom, almost always, the person who's brought me in says something to the effect of, could you hang out a little while after the workshop? I have some English teachers who are very eager to speak with you. (laughs) And everywhere I go, people want to talk to me about our very first podcast episode where we discuss whether or not we should be teaching to kill a mockingbird. Yeah, still a hot topic. Uh, If you haven't heard it, it's called To Teach or To Kill a Mockingbird. In that episode, Jenna talked to four different educators about their feelings about the book. Here are a few clips. If nothing else, I think it forces the conversation of race into a middle school English classroom. And it does so in a way that allows that conversation to come authentically, naturally, and as a byproduct of reading an excellent novel. Even after reading Mockingbird, kids aren't learning really much about Jim Crow unless their teachers are making heroic efforts. In some cases, as you know, the book was replete with the N-word, and it almost seemed to give students license to use that word, sometimes jokingly, sometimes just throwing it out, and it had a real impact on the children of color. That whole layer of the ways in which white women have been used to persecute black men, I just personally cannot imagine teaching in middle school, which is in our area where it gets taught. I actually began to wonder what the value was of teaching this book, even though I know it's part of the canon. Uh It's just, I don't, I still don't think necessarily as a society, we have addressed race issues to the extent that a book like that can be really add to the educational experience. The amazing thing is it was our very first episode. We didn't really know what we were doing. Sounds not great but it is still the most listened to episode we have ever done. So I have to say, I'm honestly shocked. I obviously have my own complicated feelings about this book and they evolved over time and every time I taught it. And it turns out a lot of other people do too. And even though my daughter is named Harper, I'm basically now known as the Mockingbird Killer. Well then, it's good we're doing this episode because we are going to hear about student experiences reading the book. And I think this would be a great time to introduce Maggie. Maggie Monahan is our amazing intern. Welcome. Hi. So after all the controversy with our first episode, we thought it would be great to hear from students about their experience of reading Mockingbird, and I wanted to take myself out of it. And I asked Maggie if she would take on the project. Yeah, so we ended up putting out a call on social media saying that we wanted to talk to people about their experiences reading the book, and the response was amazing. We were not searching for a particular point of view, um, and it was interesting that all those who agreed to interview with us identify as women. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Were you expecting to hear a particular perspective in the book? I really didn't know what people would say. Honestly, when I first read the book, I was quite naive about the questions about race it raised for people. And later, I started to question some things about it as I learned more about my own racial identity and listened to other students, especially students of color, talking about their experiences reading the book. Well, we are so excited that you took this on. So we are now going to listen to clips from those interviews. And this is how this is going to go. Maggie, you're going to let us know about each person we are going to hear from. And then Jenna and I are going to discuss what we hear. And then we're going to check in with you again at the end. Sound good? Sounds great. I will kick this off with our first interview with Naima, who identifies as Black and is from Pennsylvania. I started by asking her to tell me about her experience reading To Kill a Mockingbird. So my experience reading To Kill a Mockingbird was really terrible because my white teacher told my class, which and I was the only black person in the class, and there were only white students and Asian students, she told us that there was this really powerful word in the book, and it was the N-word, and she basically gave my class permission to say it if they felt comfortable saying it. And she messed up on that part, and she also messed up because I felt like the book was supposed to be about race, and she didn't touch on that aspect about it at all. She only focused on how Lee wrote it in the literary aspects. 
Yeah, so English was one of my favorite classes. It was English and history. But after she said this and after we started reading the book, I immediately hated it and I never really wanted to go. I remember when she first told our class like this warning, I guess she would put it. I left and I went to go call my mom, but I didn't know like what to say or what to do. And I wanted to tell the teacher, but there's that power dynamic between teachers and students. And I felt like I couldn't tell the teacher like that wasn't allowed. Teacher was always right. And like, I didn't know what to do given that I was 13 or 14 at the time and I wasn't entirely equipped with the tools that I am today to handle the situation properly. I, you would think that she would focus on the racial aspect of it given that it was about a black man who was being framed, but she didn't. And I guess she, I don't think she was prepared at all to teach it. And I don't think that she should have ta- taught it if she wasn't ready or prepared to talk about race. Do you think there is merit in teaching the book? Um, do you think it's possible for white teachers to teach it? Um, in a way where you would have felt supported? Or do you think they should teach other books? Honestly, I don't see why it should be taught or why it has to be taught. And if a teacher wants to teach a book about race, then I think it would be beneficial to teach a book written by a Black person if they like really wanted to focus on race, especially in our country. And that there are definitely better books to teach mm-hmm. instead of this one that are easier for eighth graders or middle schoolers or whoever is reading it to, I guess, digest or learn from it. But I found no value in reading this book at all. Like going into it, I was already surrounded by so much racism and prejudice from my classmates. Like they're already ignorant and like a lot of stuff has been said to me regarding my race or my skin tone. And she basically gave them permission to say say this very hateful word and of course like as an eighth grader I had no idea what to do or say and I wish that I knew but thinking about it now I don't think that it should have been in my place to teach my teacher about race like I feel like it should be the other way around so if you're not prepared to talk about it I don't think you should be teaching at all. That was Naima a black student from Pennsylvania. And what do you think, Elizabeth? Is it ever okay to teach a book with the N-word? Where where do we fall on this? Because this this question gets asked a lot. And a lot of people are still teaching this book, teaching Huck Finn. Mm-hmm. He, here's sort of where I've landed. I, as a white teacher, I taught books that had the N-word in, and I'm not going to teach those books anymore. And I've arrived at that decision, um, working through my own relationship to my own racial identity and really the power of that word and what happens when that word is said in classrooms. I think it's important to note that at Teaching While White, we are not trying to advocate to say folks can't or can't teach it. We want folks to be in a process of thinking about why you would, what that would look like, that you've gone through your own inquiry process. Actually, the thing that made me change my thinking, part of what made me change my thinking about the N-word in text was you talking about the amygdala response it can give students and that for students of color who have had this word used towards them, at them, it can cause that response, which makes them unavailable for learning for up to 20 minutes. And so I'm thinking, why is my need to teach it more important than what's, you know, causing a student to to have to drop out for up to 20 minutes because it feels unsafe. You know, what is what's the benefit of that? Right. And I and I think it goes back to that white teachers are still intellectualizing the use of the N-word and thinking that if I teach it in a literary way, right, I'm I'm taking the sting out of it. And what we're learning from students and and frankly from other adults is that they still have that emotional response. They are being thrown into a kind of identity threat. And when they are in freeze, fight, or flight, right, they're not they're not learning in the classroom anymore. And and Naima walks you through it as she talks about all the ways she was thinking about what should I do, what should I do? Do I call home? Do I leave? You know, that whole piece. While she's having to navigate all of that, right? She's not, she can't be fully present and she can't be learning in that space. I thought another really important thing that Naima brings up is the larger context of the school community. You know, it's not just teaching the book in this classroom, but relationship with her peers and her other experiences of racial bias and racism that were also happening while we were teaching the book. And I think a lot of times as English teachers, we often are teaching these books disconnected from the larger context about what might be happening in the classroom. And I really appreciate that she emphasizes like, look, these books are not disconnected from the larger school community and cultures that may be happening. And we have to take those into account. Yeah. And by allowing that word to be said in class, 
it felt like a permission for her classmates to use it at other times. That's really, that was hard to hear. Yeah. Naima definitely has a more advanced understanding of her, of race and her own racial identity than the teacher does. And we hear that in the fact that she's allowing students to say the N word, but also at the end when Naima says, she should be teaching me about race. I shouldn't have to be teaching her. Exactly. And that's what happens. And that that's that's how white supremacy works, right? It keeps white folks from having thought about what their whiteness means and how it's connected. So then I'm just teaching now a book about the civil rights movement, right? You know, t- talking about what's happening around race. But if I haven't thought about my own racial identity and how I'm positioned in that moment, right? And I haven't thought about that notion of identity and difference, I certainly can't jump into teaching about unfairness and racism, without that identity development. And her teacher was not prepared to talk about it. And it translated then throughout the class, uh, again, of not being able to model that conversation, not being able to structure it in a way that, again, came at the cost of the experience of students of color. And then she just, just to add on to all of that, talks about the power dynamics and calling her mom and not even telling her mom what was going on because she didn't want to get her teacher in trouble. Um, But the fact that she was aware that those power dynamics were operating and preventing her from being able to speak her truth and come forward about how difficult this was for her. And again, when she's having to have that complex negotiation of trying to walk that line, right? That this is my teacher and how do I navigate this? Again, that's all at the expense of learning. (laughs) It's all the stuff that gets in the way from Naima being able to have an authentic, helpful, productive experience in that classroom. And I think so often when we're thinking about how racism shows up, those are the things that we're not thinking about as white teachers. Right. And just another reminder, when we say, why didn't you say anything? You know, why you need to self-advocate? Let let me know if there's an issue. And she's taking care of her teacher, worrying about, you know, not wanting to criticize her teacher or tell her she's doing something wrong. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Maggie, who do we have next? Okay, next up we have Natalie, who is a white student from Massachusetts. Natalie told me that what she remembered most about the book was how passionate her teacher was. I asked her what about that she specifically remembered. I just, I remember her like kind of, she, she was this tiny woman. She's probably like, um, like really skinny and maybe just over five feet or something. And she is just loud and, and flamboyant and just like a, just an awesome person. And she would just kind of like, it was just so clear, like her want to, to have her knowledge and like what, what she feels to be like transferred to us was just like really clear. Um, and I think a lot of us really got that, that, that I could tell. Um, and so that was, that was pretty cool. It just, it, I, I also remember her saying that this is one of her most, um, influential books that she read. So that was pretty cool. And just like, she would talk about her, um, I, I'm kind of remembering her talking about her reading this back when, um, and stuff like that. It was just cool. She was a very personable person. So at this point, I asked her if she had a sense of how students of color felt reading the book. That's a really interesting question. I um, I feel like um, because I'm white, and I obviously don't, I, I can't speak um, from the um, like uh, the marginalized groups um, reading this. But um, it was really important for me to read. Um, but I also totally recognize that other side. Um, and I don't know, that makes me feel kind of bad about that. I think it what I think it is really important. I think that also I've been talking about this with, with friends recently, um, just how, how little we've read in these, um, in our literature classes, um, by black folks or other, um, people of color. I think that's very important and, um, a flaw in, um, our school systems. And something like that, I think, could definitely be changed and um, pushed out for um, younger kids, like in in eighth grade or hopefully younger also. 
um, to be reading to get these different perspectives and not um, not kind of have a white hero um, and not necessarily be written by a white person who doesn't understand anything pretty much. That was Natalie, a white student from Massachusetts. So that was really interesting. Natalie did a total turnaround after you asked her that question about students of color. It also confirms what we've talked about that, you know, the teacher is very passionate teaching the book and that energy is infectious, right? And that was me. You know, I remember one group of students I had who were crying at the end because I said, we have to finish it all together. Um, because, and I was passionate about it and that comes through. And so I, that seems to be more of what Natalie is remembering than the actual book itself. Right. Right. And again, you know, it's exciting when a teacher really wants to teach a book, but again, you know, our own passion, our own connected feelings to a book perhaps can get in the way then, right, of, of being able to teach and, and talk about other perspectives. Um, because you, you watch in the interview how much her tone changes. And she even says, like, I even feel bad now, right? Even even that notion of like thinking about, about what was happening for people of color. Um, and, and her point about that this may be the only book that folks read where they have even the potential to talk about race. And so again, why are we like hanging our hats on this one book as being the be all end all um, of talking about race? I think it's because for white folks, again, it was some kind of epiphany or some way of connecting for them, not thinking about the larger implications. And that was the second student to mention that why are we, if we're trying to read about race, we need to have an author who is a person of color and not a white person. So that is not lost on anyone, it seems. And yet, it seems lost on many teachers still. One part I just want to add here, Jenna, too, is that, look, I I want white teachers and white students to be thinking deeply about their own racial identity development. <laughs> and I want us to be thinking about students having a range of texts to talk about multiple identities around race, where all students have the opportunity to see themselves to see their racial and ethnic identities reflected so that everyone can be a part of the conversation. And they're getting, again, not just one voice um, talking about a racialized experience. Now we hear from Shalini, who identifies as an Indian girl and is from California. I asked her about her experience with the book. It was a positive experience, I'd say. I think I definitely got a lot out of the book. Um, The book itself presented a lot of ideas and a lot of messages and lessons that I learned a lot from and I think my classmates learned a lot from and it allowed us to open our eyes. But I don't think we spent enough time in class really stressing those points and those messages. Can you talk specifically about those themes? Like, what are you talking about? It very much relates to everything that's happening in our country right now. Like, with being treated differently just because of you're of a lower class and a different race. And I think my teacher, being white, did not have that sort of perspective because he just couldn't. I think that had it been taught by a person of color, we would have had a lot, we would have had different conversations. We would have asked different questions. You said there was like a lack of talk about those, those issues, the main themes of the book. Do you feel like, um, like what, what did you focus on? Do you remember in class? My school in general is one where race is something that nobody talks about. Our school is 66% white and we have the lowest minority rate, like one of the lowest minority rates. And that makes it so people even in the classroom don't want to talk about it. So even if a teacher would bring it up, the conversation would just flip because people got uncomfortable. And I think um, we could do a better job naturalizing and making it like a more common point of discussion. I wish he just tried to make it seem like a more natural conversation. I wish he, he, it seemed like she was getting uncomfortable 
when we started talking about race. You know, I wish he could have provided us with more context and more, um, because it's one thing to know that it's a problem and it's another thing to do something about it. What would you say are the enduring themes that you took away from that book? I kind of honestly took away that not much has changed. It's just people are still scared to talk about it. It's still a very stigmatized topic and that needs to change. I mean, this book was written so long ago and still, if you look at the things that are happening, it's nothing's that different. And more people need to be talking about it. More people need to be curious and ask questions and more people need to form their own opinion rather than just think what everybody else thinks. That was Shalini, an Indian student from California. Wow. Really interesting how she points to the teacher being uncomfortable and that the students could read that. And then that sort of dictated what was going to happen with the conversation based on the comfort level of the teacher. She totally nails it when she said, maybe if it was a teacher of color, like, I think we would have asked different questions. Right. That it's not disconnected from the racial identities that are in the room and the race of the teacher matters. Um, And so really beginning to think about, you know, how, how we could, and and her whole point about, I just wish we could, like things haven't changed that much. Um, And so it's really sort of the same piece. And this need though, that she says, like, we need to figure this out. And I think that's Jenna, what we hear across the country is we hear students begging for these conversations. They're like, please create a space where we can talk about this. And often it's our discomfort as white teachers that's getting in the way of having more natural, as she would say, right? More authentic conversations in the classroom. And she starts by saying it was a positive experience. And I wonder, I'm sort of left wondering, is she saying that because at least they talked about it a little bit, you know, like it was still a positive experience. And she goes on to say, could it just be more natural? We need to do it more often. We need to make these connections to today and not think of it as an issue that took place in past history, right? And talk about how how is this living today, these exact same things that are happening in the book. Awesome. Next is Heather, who is a white student from Maryland. And this is what she had to say. I was in 10th grade when I read To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, and that's the only time I've read it in school. I knew about To Kill a Mockingbird before I actually read it. And everyone liked it so much, I was looking forward to it. Uh, but I really did not like it at all. And I was really disappointed by the storyline that um, I was told, you know, that's this great, like iconic book for racial justice. And that was not what I found it to be. Um, And the storyline, the side storyline about, um, at least to me, how I read it, the implication was involved sexual violence against um, children and or daughters and that really kind of like took over the storyline to a to a large degree for me which I find really problematic because that's not what it was supposed to be about it was supposed to be about racial justice and I like imposed my own trauma on it in growing up as the daughter of someone who had been molested as a child by her father um and so I had when I think about this story now I think on the one hand that it was not about racial justice at all. And I actually hate it. I think it actually um, takes away from us talking about racial justice because instead we're talking about these white people who quite frankly didn't do everything they really could have done. And it, even the author, like this, you had the chance to write the story and yet you made it about white people and you didn't, and, and you erased the black guy at the end. And then on the other hand, it's this, um, for me, personally, a traumatic story about um, sexual violence that I now realize that I uh, may have like written over the actual text with my own experience, and the story wasn't presented in like a trauma-informed way um, at all. And so I just checked out of the class when it was happening. So that's how I feel about it. I do not think it should be taught. I think we should be teaching things that are actually about racial justice, about Blacks, 
and other people of color, written by people of color. We did read um, the uh, various like Harlem um, Renaissance poets, Harlem Renaissance poets, but that's hardly comparative when you think of how many white authors I was reading over and over and over and over and over again, year after year after year. And so to think of another book by another white author as being about racial justice is just so um, a betrayal of racial justice. We should be hearing from actual people of color. And I know a lot of people think of Atticus as like this hero, someone they want to be. And all I can think about is the ending of the book where the main character, the main black character dies. And I can't even remember his name because the author erased him in my mind. He dies trying to escape from prison. And that, to my mind, kind of gives an excuse for white people not trying that hard. Because, look, here's this person of color who, if he had just waited long enough, I would have tried to get him a, a, a pardon or I would have tried again with an appeal or something like that. And that kind of puts the blame on people of color. And that's ridiculous. This is a white problem. White people should be solving it. So um, I don't think that this is a good book. For, it doesn't, in my mind, give good inspiration to white people working on racial justice. That was Heather, a white student from Maryland. It's sort of stunning to me how Heather really sort of sets up the beginning of of teacher holding up the book as, you know, this is this great iconic book, right? Sort of making that proclamation. I think she really clearly shows us why perhaps we have to think about, uh, is this really an iconic book about racial justice? Her comments about sexual assault, I mean... I honestly, and when I think of the way I taught it, I don't know how much I went into that. That is sort of this sort of just kind of a side story that's happening. And I really didn't spend a lot of time talking about it. And it was so clearly traumatic. And again, she's checking out um, over something that's sort of not even the main plot of the story. Um And then what she says at the end there about how this is an excuse for white people to try not so hard, I have never thought of it that way, that, you know, if only he hadn't run away, maybe he would still be alive and Atticus could have gotten him a pardon or whatever. I've never thought of that at all. So I loved hearing that part. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the point about the sexual assault, because in our first episode, one of our speakers, Christine, absolutely raised that. And I think it was really for both of us, when we heard that during the interview, it really stood out for us. Like, oh yeah, like this is this is something that we need to be thinking more intentionally about around this book, and and we just haven't seen it happening. And so, really, again, again, this notion of intent versus outcome, right? What we think we want to do, setting up our intentions, but hearing that the outcomes outcomes of teaching this book are not lining up with what most of our intentions are and really having to lean into the hypocrisy of that um, and how that's how racism operates, right? It's places we don't want to see it, but racism and white supremacy will keep going and the twist and turns that it can make to obscure some of these things that for the students, they have incredible clarity about how this is all operating. the next two people we hear from are actually adults but felt strongly enough about their experiences as students that they also answered the call and wanted to share their experience reading the book. The first is Amber who identifies as a black woman and she is from California. Uh, So I'm 29 now so it's been a long time Um, but I remember very little about the plot. I actually had to look it up because I blocked it out of my memory. But I remember how I felt when I was that young person and it felt, and I I think it's so interesting, like looking back how I didn't have the language or um, even just the awareness to figure out like what I didn't like about it. But my general experience reading it was just everything about it was just off. Like it wasn't fun to read. I didn't want to talk about it. I was super uncomfortable whenever I knew we had like a scheduled group discussion or we had homework around the book, I would get all anxious. In general, it was just an overall negative experience. 
And I remember when I decided to reflect on it, you know, just a few weeks ago, now as an adult, I realized I had blocked out, like I said, the, the plot of the book and I had to Google it. And as I was looking it up and I'm like, oh, this is all making sense now that I'm older, why I hated it so much. Um, so unfortunately, it was mostly a traumatic experience um, because the things I took away from the lesson is how invisible I felt as a little human. And I literally remembered nothing <laughs> about the actual book or any like literary devices she talked about or any of those. Things. I remember nothing. So uh, whatever her intended lesson plan was, I totally missed it. I was like, you know, I'm really hating this assignment. Like I would love to just not participate because one of the tricky things I found as a as a student was I'm not comfortable talking about this in this particular environment because I was also the only black kid in my class. So I was like, I really don't want to deal with this right now because what happens a lot of times whenever it's like Black History Month or anytime we're talking about things even like tangentially related to blackness in general, I get a lot of looks. Like a lot of the students turn around and look at me because that's that's just what, you know, they're trying to figure out how to proceed. But the teacher doesn't really um, give us the tools to engage in a conversation like that. That doesn't make one person feel left out. So I was talking about, you know, it just feels horrible to read this book. And my friends were like, we hate it too. We all hate this book. It's like, well, I wonder if like, what, what can I do? You know, I'm only in middle school, like, what are my options? And so they're like, well, maybe you can ask her for an alternative assignment, um, which I thought was a really reasonable thing. You know, things happen, students don't participate, um, or they're not able to complete their assignments, and the teacher can give them something else to do. But what I found myself stuck between is like, do I just straight up protest and be like, I don't want to do this, but then that causes problems. But then I also didn't want to push myself to just go through the motions. Um, if I'm super uncomfortable. So I was stuck between those two sort of schools of thought. Um, but I decided with the support of my friends, they were like, we'll go with you if you if you want to ask her for that. And I'm like, that would actually be really great. So a little squad of us with maybe four or five of us. Um, I think it was after school, we went to go talk to her. And I was like, I'm so uncomfortable reading this book. It's making me super stressed out. I don't like having the group discussions, but I also don't just want to not participate. So is there something else I can do, like some alternative assignment? Just, I just can't handle, I don't feel like I can engage with this. And what frustrated me is she's like, yeah, well, you know, I've heard a lot of my students say that over the years, but like, it's fine. You can just roll with it. And that's, that I, that concept I found very strange. Cause I'm like, if several students over the years have told you that this is not working for them, is this more about you feeling like you need to be right and like sticking to the curriculum just because of whatever? Um, or are you actually here for the students? I'm now questioning that. And the idea that, you know, I went to an adult, which is what we're taught to do. You know, Barney and all of these um, kid shows always tell you when there's a problem, you go to the adult. And my friends also came with me and I had a pretty diverse group of friends. Um, none of them were black. So it was a, like a literally a mixed group. And still, like, the idea that several students, like a group of us, came to her and that wasn't enough to convince her to even, like, reconsider that maybe this sort of curriculum is problematic, that was one of the big parts of me feeling like, oh, so my feelings as your student matter very little to you as long as you stick to your curriculum. Good to know. But then what do I do with that as a young person engaging with this very sensitive material without giving the tools to have the conversation. So I think that was, yeah, that was uh, maybe like 15 years ago now. And I remember when I was sharing about it recently, um, like one of my friends who was there commented and was like, oh my gosh, I remember that conversation. That was horrible then. And it's even worse now. And the, there are people in your class around you who are affected by this, but we're not given the support and the context to understand what's actually going on here, um, which I think can be dangerous also for young people like me, where it's like, well, what do I do with this? If I find out my teacher doesn't care that it bothers me, then what do I do? I just sit here the rest of the school year. So it's, um, it's there, I think there could be merit to it, but not if you're just going to piecemeal it. And I wish I understood 
why um why this book because I like I said 15 16 years out I don't remember what the point was <laughs> I just know that it was super stressful so I don't even know what you were trying to teach I don't remember so was it really worth it could you have taught similar literary things with a different book that's less offensive probably I would like to think so um so yeah I'm I'm not sure what the commitment to that particular curriculum is that was Amber, a black woman from California. Yeah, when teachers want to know how does white supremacy show up in schools, Amber's just given us a textbook case, right, Jenna? Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty stunning because uh, she does all the things we ask students to do. She self-advocated. She was very clear about what she needed and why she needed it. And the absolute arrogance of this teacher Right. Um, again, to sort of like stick with or maybe, maybe we can think about arrogance or what was sort of happening there. It feels very arrogant to me as I listen to it. But just this notion of no, stick with it, uh, you know, sit tight. And it reminds me, you know, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King wrote a really important book called Why We Can't Wait. And that notion of continuing of having white folks say, just just wait, just just hold on, it's all going to be okay. And not, again, thinking about the impact, the outcome of what's happening. And at the end of the day, she doesn't even remember the book, right? Outright. I had, I had, to, I had to look up the, you know, look up what happened. And again, of course, the racism of not listening to students of color and, and I guess not believing their experiences, right? Or hearing it and, and at the end of the day, those experiences, because they don't align with her own white experience, not, not going with it, not accepting it. She mentions twice, why didn't she give us the tools to have the conversation? And again, and she and she directly points to whatever your intention was, that wasn't the impact it had, right? But if if the intention is to talk about race, you need to give us tools and not, you know, she talks about everybody turning to look at her, what Rosetta Lee calls the zombie heads, right? And there's no discussion about how to have the conversation and have it be productive, if it is, in fact, to talk about race. Right. And we know that we could front load that. We could have a conversation with students to talk about what we're going to do when that happens, right? And if we have questions and if we want to know more or if we're feeling uncomfortable, how do we want to handle that? Um, again, this is all predictable. Uh, I think it's so stunning to see how these themes connect through all these various interviews, you know, folks with very different points of view. But this is all things that we can predict we can plan for, and we can teach to. And again, what's getting in the way, obviously, we're going to argue white supremacy, that's keeping us right from being willing to sort of wade in and address these issues head on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last but not least is Petra, a white woman who now teaches English and is from Iowa. I asked her what she remembered about reading the book as a student. Yeah, I think I was a sophomore in um, a small town in rural Iowa. And yeah, 10th grade year in an American literature course, I think. My memory of To Kill a Mockingbird was the last page. When I had finished that book, it was the first time in my life that I grieved a book ending. I think I connected so so completely with Scout um, that I was sad that it had to end, that I didn't get to see her grow more um, and and to be to miss being part of that storyline. So to me, it was a very positive experience. And as an English student, the first one where I was sad a book ended. I think there was something about Scout's uh, rejection of a resistance of gender norms that helped me relate to her. And I don't know at the time, I think what the text does is provides white folks a vision of what um, resisting racism looks like. So I'm sure I found that very appealing, but mostly it was uh, her gender expression that connected, I think, with me personally. In your class discussions, did you have a lot of conversations about race or, or what were the themes that you all talked about in class? I am sure that those uh, discussions didn't go in depth at all <laughs> into constructs huh. of race or how whiteness was created or um, even the history of racism. I think at that point, 
there was a very clear kind of like binary that racism is bad. And if you're a good white person, you won't do anything racist. Uh, so it was very surface. What messages do you feel like emerged about white America? You know, you've mentioned like the sort of the good, bad binary, like what messages like endured sort of years after about white America and and being white in this country? Well, I don't feel that there was an in-depth analysis of what whiteness is or was in that text. There was an image that a possibility for white folks to resist against white supremacy existed. And though it wasn't really interrogated in ways to look at like what white saviorism is or the ways that white supremacy was present in the Finch's home, um, there still was, here's what it looks like when somebody speaks out against something that's unethical. So it was, and I think that's, what the book lends itself to is this is what it looks like to respond in ways that are ethical, but not and without that deeper understanding or examination or interrogation of how whiteness exists, not only like in the legal system, but in the housing, in that book, um, and in the family structure that exists, then it feels like a very incomplete analysis mm-hmm. for me. Like, I think the book could have been so much more than it was in the way that it was taught to me. There are so many other options and better options to discuss race (laughs) than to kill a mockingbird (laughs) in ways that aren't necessarily harmful to um, our students of color, Black, Indigenous, and students of color. And um, so I don't think that this should be required reading. The stories that I hear from my students of color um, are teachers who are unprepared to actually talk about race and how hurtful that is. I remember a student describing, um, like there was no known discussion about the N word in class when she read it. And so there was a student who said the N word, like reading from the text said the N word and this, the teacher didn't know how to respond. So it was just kind of glossed over and ignored. And that was so detrimental to that student. So, uh, I, this feels like a text that has so much potential for danger that I think teachers need to be well-versed in, um, critical race theory and, uh, critical whiteness theory to have this discussion and be able to frame it in a way that is beneficial or at least the examination of the text could be beneficial to students. So because there are so many other options, I don't, I'm a, I'm a big fan of lit circles and student choice that I don't know that I would ever assign this as a whole class text because of that potential for harm for students of color. The only times I've taught it was when it was part of the required curriculum from the, the buildings that I've been in. And when I had the opportunity to teach it, I focused mostly on the structure of racism and giving students an understanding of the historical connections and how race was constructed through um, legal ways and through cultural ways, and then looking for how how those showed up in the book. Um, We even went back to like, when did race first start on this landmass? How how was it defined? Um, And then how was it used? So um, for me, it was an entry point where I could bring critical race theory to the forefront in those classroom discussions. But it's not something that I've used, that I've selected for myself as a teacher. I don't know that an understanding of how to best teach critical race theory could happen in a piece of advice, because I really do believe that our teachers need to invest in what, for me, I see it as a lifelong commitment to continually learning about anti-racism and how that shows up in an English classroom. Um, so maybe that's the piece of advice. (laughs) If you haven't learned about anti-racist curriculum, it is time and never leave that professional development every semester. Make sure that you're investing more into it because it, it takes that kind of continual praxis of reflection and understanding how race shows up and how white supremacy shows up in our classrooms 
for us to even make sense of it and and just the comfort that it takes in being able to have those conversations with students. I think it could have been like it would be fascinating to me as a student to read that piece and have somebody ask me, how does whiteness show up in this text? How is whiteness constructed? in the relationship between the characters and in the relationship between the characters and the institutions that they inhabit. Like those would be questions that, first of all, I would never expect <laughs> as a student. And that would just, I, I would have to even grapple with what are those questions asking me? But the benefit I think from white students considering those questions, reading, texts that have white, that center white characters, is that that's practiced then for our own lives. Because then if I'm practicing it on Scout, then I can think in my own world and in my own relationships, how, or existence, how is whiteness showing up right now in the space that I'm in with my white body? How is whiteness showing up in the relationships that I have with the people that are around me? And how does whiteness show up in the ways that I'm living in the institutions that surround me. So as a, as a perhaps entry point, literature can be one of those places that we practice that reflection um, and examination of our own whiteness. That would have been fascinating to me as a student. That was Petra, a white woman from Iowa. This interview really struck me because just as she talked about weeping when the book ended and her deep connection with Scout, she was also so clear that she thinks there are much better books to teach about the same topics. And her whole notion that she started and ended with that notion of gender identity, right? Of her really connecting with Scout really around the way she challenged how girls were supposed to behave and then into the whiteness piece, right? About understanding the the racial piece, but she starts and ends. Uh, with that same question of identity. I love the way she says, well, if you're going to teach it, it'd be really cool to talk about it in terms of the creation of whiteness. Well, she teaches it as, you know, what, how was whiteness created, but how does whiteness function in this book and in these characters? I love that idea. And it reminded me, Elizabeth, you knew a teacher who taught it as um, an American myth, right? Yeah, set the whole thing up to sort of be in that place of sort of, okay, what's being described here? Is it true or not? And I and I think that goes back to the students really wanting to say, what's happening now? How is how is it connected to what's going on currently? And and by che by teaching it as a mythology, then you would give students the opportunity to then think about, all right, so so how does this relate to today? How does this relate to your own experience? And how she also shares, it would have been great to extend that then to her own relationships, right, um, outside of the classroom. And ultimately, I think, Jenna, you know, we're both English teachers and we love teaching literature and believe deeply in what literature can do, I think really gives us a critical perspective on uh, what really being clear about what we're trying to do. And, and again, is this the right text to do what we want? And if you are mandated to teach the book, I thought it was interesting. She said, if I was in places where I have to teach it, at least being able to teach it with a way that we could talk about white identity and white supremacy. Um, and that, that could be there along with what's happening around gender and sexual assault and issues of class and, and other pieces there that, that we could weave in. Yeah, and there are so many opportunities to talk about, okay, how is whiteness, you know, supported in our court systems, in our housing, like the family structure that does come up in the book. And I love the idea, if you are going to teach it, to really look at all of those pieces and to, to give the history of how race has impacted all of those systems in our country. I love that idea. And I think it's interesting how, after we hear all of these, there are definitely some themes we've heard, right? So a number of folks talk about blocking out the plot, not remembering. Most talk about teachers not being up to the task of talking about race and yet saying that's why they want to teach it. And then also understanding that reading about race from the perspective of, of a white author is problematic, not connecting it to today. So it's, it's interesting that the same themes keep showing up again and again. So Maggie, what were your takeaways after having all of these conversations? 
So I think one takeaway I have, and you both have touched on this, is that the book can be very traumatic for students to read for many reasons. Um, And I think after getting to talk with a lot of students on the topic, I definitely don't think it should be taught because there are so many other ways to teach similar themes about race and racism. Um, I think generally people stick to what they know. And in the education world, especially everyone knows, you know, that To Kill a Mockingbird is a classic, quote unquote. Um, But why? And is that more important than the well-being of students for students of color, but then also white students who are potentially taking away messages about the white savior complex, which can be really problematic. I think those are norms, you know, as students and teachers that we need to be questioning. And I think to say you have to teach it because of its themes is not accurate because there are so many other books written by black and brown folks that address the same concepts. I also think if educators are choosing to teach it, which was touched on above, um, they have to understand why, and they also have to be prepared to facilitate difficult conversations. If white teachers haven't done the self-reflection on racial identity or white supremacy culture and those intersections with gender and class, et cetera, or aren't ready you know, to have a discussion about the N-word or the theme of the white savior complex, then I don't think they should be teaching it. And another takeaway I, it, I think it seems like a little obvious, but that students have opinions, you know, and I think it's so important to ask students what they think and how they feel about reading different books. I think the best teachers invite that feedback from students, you know, about the spaces they are creating to have uncomfortable conversations. Overall, though, I think I'm just so grateful to have gotten to be a part of this process and to hear Uh, so many different perspectives and reflect more deeply on my own experience reading the book. Yeah, I know. I I love that Maggie. And, and thank you for your willingness to, you know, conduct the interviews. I'm so glad we did this follow-up to our earlier episode, because I think it just brings forward a, we get to center student voices, which is really what we're committed to in teaching while white and really starting to bring more nuanced conversation around this text that we know is still one of the most widely taught texts around the country. And thank you. Thank you for the work that you did. Yes. Thank you, Maggie. That was Elizabeth Denevy and Maggie Monahan, and I'm Jenna Chandler-Ward. And this is Teaching While White. Our producer is Stephen Smith. Our music is written and performed by Henry Needham. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word. 